What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend, a debrief, and an effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson, joining me again in the host spotlight. We love her to death. Rose Lock. Rose, how are you? I'm great. Good. I'm getting ready for Easter. And that's that's so exciting. exciting. I see you doing your little thing out there. You got that whole big thing <laughs> up. Thing. Um, they posted about it on the Facebook page. I don't know if you saw it. Do you want to share what we're talking oh, sure. about briefly? So we're very excited. Um, Scott Santmeyer just designed this incredible work of art. He's such a talented artist. And the longer you look at it, the more in-depth insights you see. But we decided to make it a collaborative art project for the entire congregation. And the cool thing about that Facebook post is that you can see there's um, little kids mm. and our elders, you know, and every age in between working on this cool piece together. So it's yeah. going to be a really cool thing. So if you want to see it, you have to come up to the library. And I just was working on it a few minutes ago. And um, one of the things I wanted to see is as to use it kind of as a Lent worship experience. Mm. And so it was really quiet up there. And I was just thinking about Christ and I was working on the prayer in the garden part. So I was thinking about him praying for us and like, praying for, you know, uh, praying for the wrath of God to be removed from him in the garden and him sweating drops mm. of blood on our behalf. And so it really is kind of a cool worship. There's the season build yeah. up to Easter. Uh, you've heard him. He's back with us, Senior Pastor Mark Harry. Mark, how you doing, my friend? Good. 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 Yep, yep. Yeah. And, you know, artistic, we have a lot of artistic people mm. in this church. Mm -hmm. so they say, the only thing I can draw is flies. That's good. I do draw flies. Yeah, yeah but that's <laughs> yeah. the cool thing about this piece of art is that it's already been drawn for you. Very accessible. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I walked up to it. I'm like, I'm no artist, you, but it is accessible. Yeah. If you're colorblind, it'd be hard to do it, right? No, because like it's, it's, it's numbered. numbered. It's like it's numbered. Like so you can be numbered. It's number so. two. Yeah. And by the way, I'm surprised you didn't mention a thing about a grand, brand new little I grandbaby. It. Yeah. It, which you do have another one, right? Yes. That's dope. So yeah, his name is JJ. And That's shout so cool. out to, I always like to shout out different people on this podcast, Do Jeff it. Highland, because JJ is named after Jeff Highland. That's Jeffrey sick. is his middle name. That's so cool. So, yeah. Does Jeff cool. listen to this? I hope so. We won't find out. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, guys, let's jump into a Sunday in review here, well into our, our series on Daniel, even though it still kind of feels like we're at the introductory stage, kind of setting the tone for... For the series, Rose, I'll come your way first, and then Mark will kind of see what you have for us. But what stood out this this weekend for you? Oh, so much. Um, it's kind of funny because I was listening to a podcast um, as we drove to Lynchburg to see my daughter and the new baby. I was listening to a podcast, and the podcast was talking about um, um, it was about marriage, and it was actually talking about how the most successful marriages are people who value marriage, and they're not seeking after. Um, money, they're not seeking who has the most toys and those kinds of things. And that kind of application came to me in the in the course of this sermon because Daniel wasn't seeking after his own fame and his own glory and his own anything. He was simply, you know, obeying the Lord. Mm. Um, I did have one question. I always try to start with a question. And one of the questions I had is, do you feel like, Mark, that in ancient Babylon, that Daniel still had access to like God's word? Or do you think that he was like functioning completely from memory what had been built into him by his parents? Or if you have any sense of that kind of thing, because that was my big question is, is this God's word hidden in Daniel's mm -hmm. own heart? Or is this like he still yeah. had those texts available to him? See, I don't know. We don't know. Um, it's probably both. And I do think, I do think he must have, he had access. Um 
I say that for two reasons. One is Nebuchadnezzar was really sly. I mean, he was very, he knew what he was doing. And he's trying to, while he's trying to eviscerate everything from their past, he's at the same time trying to win them and 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 shape them to be, and uh, I suppose a historical case could be made that the Assyrians, the previous regime, was just the opposite. They were ruthless. I mean, they did horrible things to their conquered people. It's like Nebuchadnezzar, at least with these young guys, are is playing the, the good guy as opposed to the bad guy. And so he's throwing them bones all the time. And he's, he's, he, he, he's winning their loyalty by not smashing them, but by luring them and the choicest foods and putting them, you know, and, and and so that was seems to be a strategy, which makes me think he may have allowed them to have, but he, but he knows he's controlling it because he's changing their names, he's changing anything about them. The other thing that makes me think maybe is that 70 years later, and we'll get to that in not in 70 years, but in Daniel <laughs> 9, it says that Daniel was uh, looking at the, uh, the Jeremiah the prophet. And it saw that in Jeremiah the prophet that there were 70 years and, you know, so, and that the time was about done. So either he had a really good memory and that would have possibly been indoctrinated into those boys. Mm -hmm. And then he got to Jerusalem and he wrote down for memory or he was given access to some of those things. I mean, I do remember in some of my other studies um, from basically from homeschooling my own children. I do remember that ancient Babylon was known for being a central um, place for knowledge. And I think I've heard somewhere that they had one of the largest, li like Nebuchadnezzar had quite the library. And so maybe he had some of those texts yeah. in his library. I remember reading that somewhere. Okay, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure about, about that, but certainly they were known as an academic center mathematics, science, all sorts of, of the arts. And, you know, he was Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar that did the hanging gardens. And the right. guy was really a Renaissance guy in many ways. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, we're left to speculate is all. Um, but certainly at the end of his life, Daniel was well aware of Jeremiah, the mm -hmm. prophet. And, um, well, one of the one of the reasons I bring that up is because I feel like well, one of the last times I was on this podcast was towards the end of Tim's time in Second Peter, and one of the things I walked away um, from that time with was this idea that in order to stay well grounded and um, and focused on the Lord, that there are kind of three key ways to do that, and one way is to really know the scriptures, to stay in the scripture to build a community around you of people who can help challenge and encourage you. And that's what that podcast also supported, mm -hmm. the idea that people who have happy marriages and stay married longer have a community of people around them who value marriage, right? So everybody is, mm -hmm. is pointing the same direction and then listening to the Holy Spirit. And, and part of me felt like when you got to the end and you were talking through your three applications, I saw parallels in those applications and in some of the applications that that Tim had drawn for us for second from hmm. Second Peter. So I'm feeling like that's something that God really has for our church to think about and concentrate on is the way we value his word right now. Yeah. Anyway, just mm -hmm. some that's cool. Thoughts. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting to hear you talk about the Assyrians, and it, it, it does feel like the pendulum swung a li- It almost feels more good cop than bad cop yeah. sometimes, the way he... It, it seems like grooming yeah. a little bit. He's kind of like, you That's know, he's doing. learn to feed from me, and yeah. I'll allow these certain things, but it, it's a fascinating kingship yeah. going on. Another question, by the way, that has come up multiple times to me, and I don't have an answer to it, but it is, uh, it's been asked several times. Uh, there's Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah. And then the three, we know the fast, last three, really by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But we know Daniel, not by Belteshazzar, but by Daniel. So why didn't the three other guys keep their Hebrew names? I, I, you know, I don't know. I know Daniel is the central figure of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably how he was best known. Um, and maybe the other three guys were better known by what they accomplished under their Babylonian names. We don't know, but it is an interesting observation mm-hmm. that we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that's what they were called later. Well, right. Daniel was always called Daniel for you know, for, for the most part. I think it has to do with the little song that we teach our yeah, kids, right. and that <laughs> Daniel is a whole lot easier to say than Belteshazzar. Yeah. So it might simply be that <laughs> yeah. practical, you know. Yeah, that's interesting, though. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So with that in mind, Mark, I mean, you're, you're, we're watching what's unfolding, and and Daniel seems to draw the line somewhere with, okay, I'm not going to be defiled in this way but you can certainly call me by that name or this, that, and the other. What is it about the law at that time and about the legalism or lack thereof? Because there seems to be a, almost an inflection point or a point of tension in, in Daniel's mind and all their minds, like deciding where do I draw the line and, and how willing am I to embrace this culture versus the yeah. one I was born in? Well, and I think that's the, the to, to understand the story of Daniel and why he drew the line there um, you have to realize the context, the Old Testament context in which the story is found, and the fact that God was really strong, very strong in in the Mosaic Law. Of uh, here is my law, uh, obey it and live, disobey it and die. You know, I think it's uh, Deuteronomy 30, where uh, God through Moses is saying, "So choose you this day. You know, what what are you going to do?" obey and live or disobey and die and he goes into detail that says you will be taken from the country that's in deuteronomy i mean he spelled out that if you don't obey there are going to be all these repercussions so that was that was drilled in the law now of course the jewish people always walked away from it right but you know like related to your sermon where you laid out kind of the history um I, I had been listening to um, uh, Sandy Glennie actually did a learning center class um, that you can hear on the website on Daniel. And I was listening to her class and in in her like introductory comments, she, she talks a lot about Daniel before he was taken into captivity and some of the things that he would have seen and experienced. And one of the things he was probably part of the he was part of the royal family, right? He was well educated because Nebuchadnezzar would have never taken him mm-hmm. if that weren't truth. And so he had seen good kings, mm-hmm. and he had seen the result of good kings, and he had seen the results of bad kings. All members mm-hmm. of his family. So he had not just read God's law, but he had seen the actual consequences when the mm-hmm. people didn't obey. Right. Too. So. And remember, the law had been lost. So Josiah, at some point, the king, the good king, had discovered that law. And so 
there was there there was a real push. We, we talked about that the week before that Josiah made the people right uh, hear the law conform. and and conform to it. So some in those early years of of Daniel's growing up before he was taken off in a captivity, you have to believe that that law for that for his parents was was uh, deeply embedded yeah. into the heart of and, little I Daniel. I mean, there's a chance that he was close to the same age as Josiah, right? And part of the family, like they had relationship with each other. Is that correct? Or well, let's see. Older? Josiah was eight when he uh, became king and he reigned for 31 years. So back up from from nine, uh, 609, back up 31 years. That's when he would have been eight. He was probably... Quite a bit older than Daniel. Okay, older than Daniel. Yeah, say Daniel okay. was born uh, in uh, 20, 620. Okay. So Josiah probably had a good 15 years on him. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, so you do the math on that. Mm -hmm. But still, it was, it was, it was um, a real all-out effort by Josiah to um, infiltrate lost and sinful and disobedient Judah with the law. And, and you, again, you just have to believe that the parents of Daniel uh, embraced it and they ran with it and they indoctrinated their kids and, mm -hmm. and, and then these three other boys and their families so that when he was taken away, you know, it's like there's this window of opportunity. And if if Josiah hadn't found that law or didn't mm -hmm. emphasize it and his parents hadn't done it, yeah. Daniel would have been whisked off to yeah. uh, Babylon and have never known the law. Yeah. It, and it, it brings us back, like applicationally, it brings us back to how important it is for us as parents. And, you know, you pointed out I have a new grand grandson, you know, and um, some of the conversations I had with my daughter and her husband over this week that we were together involved like what church they should attend and how active they should be in the church and what kind of doctrine their kids are hearing. And so I think like that just emphasizes again the important role that we as parents play mm -hmm. in discipling the next generation. Yeah. I, the, I mentioned the second service, verse five of Daniel one talks about it was a three-year indoctrination process that Nebuchadnezzar and someone in the first service afterwards came up and says, oh, "That's that's American college, you know, mm. that our kids go off to college and get indoctrinated." Mm. Well, there's some truth to that, and so many of our young people, as you know, uh, will fall off the deep end mm -hmm. because it hasn't been firmly, deeply embedded and rooted in their soul the truth of God. So that they go off and get into Babylon mm -hmm. in exile, away from their family, and those three years, four years, they 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 and walk I think away the, from it. I think the appeal is the making it your own, right? These these college agendas and what they're learning, the indoctrination of whatever it happens on college campuses, knowledge. Well, and just, uh, just there's an excitement because it's your own. It's oh, I'm off and now I'm yeah, on I'm my separate, own. But, yeah. but we try to. <laughs> I mean, youth ministry, we ring this bell as often as we can. Make your faith your own now, yeah. so that yeah. this isn't a fingers crossed. You're graduating. Well, See ya. Just to be clear, it's not just college, though. No, no, I mean, right. It's like when they leave mm -hmm. our homes. Mm -hmm. um, I homeschooled my kids. I know many of the people who listen here homeschool their kids. Mm -hmm. My kids went into the work world. Well, let it's me tell you what. The I, my, same thing my going son on, is yeah. working construction. A construction work site is a Mil whole different ball game mm -hmm. than a homeschool environment. Going right? off in the military. Yeah, mm -hmm. military. Right? Same thing. So right? it's 
there's a plan of God to use the family to build that into their kids. Uh, and for whatever reason, again, we don't know the back story, but Daniel's parents must have done that. You can, you just have to read into all that. But when he went off to, da to, to Babylon, he was well-grounded and he knew where he was going to draw the line. He knew where God had drawn the line. Mm -hmm. He made an issue out of the things God made an issue. He didn't make an issue out of things God didn't make an issue. So he learned the culture. And, and the other thing, and I didn't bring this out in the message, um, but just the, the way Daniel handled himself. And it does say that the, the chief of the officials over the, 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 the chief of the eunuchs, so the, the officials, um, showed Daniel favor. God had given Daniel favor and compassion. That's not going to happen if you're bullheaded and Eh, you know, and then you're, you know, pushing your finger and, and arrogant and I know what's right and you guys are going to hell and, you know, that kind of stuff. Right, right. Th th there was just a, a demeanor. Again, you're reading into that, but there's a demeanor about Daniel. Let's try this for 10 days. <laughs> Let's, I mean, he was respectful. He was, uh, everything that you would want exude a, a kind of a godly spirit Daniel had and it won the favor. Yeah, I, one, one book, again, that I'm reading says it this way, that it's a submission to authority. And that's one of the oh, applications. Boy. Like, here's, a, here's an authority structure that's been placed over Daniel. God is his ultimate authority, so he's going to draw those lines. But he's been placed inside this authority structure, and so he is going to mm -hmm. submit and work inside that authority yeah. structure, which is admirable. I know? was When I was studying this, I was thinking... Uh, from time to time, while I was studying, I thought of Dennis McNutt's sermon Submission in Romans, versus obedience chapter thirteen, mm -hmm. on on submitting to the government, mm -hmm. and that you submit until it becomes a sin to submit. But even mm -hmm. even when we say I can't do that because it'll violate, I'm willing to take whatever punishment my government will give me. I'll submit to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll be thrown in a fiery furnace. I'll we'll be see. thrown in a fiery <laughs> furnace. We'll, right. we'll, we'll, we'll see mm -hmm. exactly. So there. There is a right way and a wrong way to uh, <laughs> to be belligerent, to, <laughs> to, to draw a line, and Daniel just did it right. Mm -hmm. And there's now, yeah, we'll see in the in the chapter three where the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will say, you know, and if we're not saved, well, we're, we're still not going to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's up to the Lord. So we we do things that are right because it's right. We've got to honor God no matter what the consequences and that's, but, but we still be kind to people in the process. I think that's the beauty of, of what we've been studying. And I think for me personally, what's already coming out of the text is it's not just the walk by faith call, but there's also a demeanor and a, and a story yeah. about how the environment was interacted with, how the people around were, even the, the back and forth between king and subject yeah. in Daniel 3 despite the story, is like pretty respectful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a fascinating yeah. case study here, here, on how to do it right. Here's one for Rose and, and classical conversations, probably or homeschooling and history. Um, someone just s s sent me recently a podcast by John Ortberg, and it was a clip on uh, the whole story of Abraham Lincoln and Edward Stanton, uh, who I think it was Edward Stanton, it, it was ended up being his secretary of war. But Stanton oh, despised yeah. Lincoln before. Oh, interesting. Na name called him. <laughs> I mean, he had no. And uh, Lincoln gets elected, and his Secretary of War 
end up being a lousy guy and he gets rid of him. And someone, his advisor says, you know, the best person for that job is going to be at Stanton. And Lincoln says, all right, I'll swallow my pride and I'll get the guy in my cabinet. And he did this arch enemy who, who had ridiculed him and said nasty things about Lincoln. He comes as secretary hmm. and uh, in Lincoln's second inaugural address, there's this famous line because the war is waning. I mean, clearly the union is going to win. And in his second inaugural address, Lincoln makes this famous line about malice towards none, charity for all. There, there's a mm -hmm. line. Yes. About, remember that? Yes. I know that line. And, uh, it's directly related to Stanton, you think? Well, Stanton Bird heard that, and 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 by the time, of course, Lincoln is assassinated a year later, mm -hmm. Stanton said, um, basically, this is a man who's who will go down in the ages. Mm -hmm. You know, he's there when Lincoln That's dies. It. So uh, I pulled him up, Edwin Stanton. Edwin. It said yeah. he, he organized the manhunt for John Wilkes Booth when yeah. Lincoln was assassinated. Yeah. So what a fascinating... He won him over. Lincoln relationship won him over. The, mm -hmm. And then the Lincoln's statement towards the South was, was that line of malice towards none and charity for all. Uh, mm -hmm. Really. Uh, so Daniel mm -hmm. exuded some of those, those principles that... Um, and maybe some of the other uh, young men taken from from Judah were antagonistic, or we don't know. All the the you know what what do you do in that type of situation? And there were maybe fighting or passive aggressive type stuff that was going on. And uh, I just think Daniel and his three friends had a stellar reputation, and it's instructive for us in the days that we're living in. Mm -hmm. We can say nasty things about uh, demeanor matters about our yeah. current president or about various things and mm -hmm. and there might be caricatures that are may, might be very accurate well, on in, everybody in but. these early chapters at daniel it, it often seems like there was more conflict or drama between these people and the chaldeans or the astrologers because mm -hmm. maybe their behaviors were different the yeah. demeanor was so different you could picture the king being like yeah there's you know these jewish guys the blah, blah. but I, there's something about them i like them yeah I like them. There's just something about them. And, and how is that not? That's yeah. How is that not pre-evangelism yeah. to a certain degree? Yeah. And the Lord using somebody, and it's just like, yep. boy, I tell you, there's something about you. Someone once says, in order to share good news, you have to be good news. Mm. And I think Daniel was that way. And in mm -hmm. the last verse in chapter one, when it says, "And Daniel continued until the day," I think that's a that. It, it, that phrase is pregnant with meaning, that he continued in the same way. He didn't deviate from that path. He mm -hmm. stayed true to the truth, mm -hmm. and he um, honored the Lord. Well, and not only that, the fact that he got to see, you know, Cyrus and that prophecy fulfilled. And oh, yeah. the fact that, you know, Nebuchadnezzar obviously was not known. He was known to pull his favor. And like you can, as you read the text, you can read between the lines that Nebuchadnezzar was cruel like throwing people in fiery furnaces. That's not, you know, yeah. that's kind of a, a mean, difficult punishment. Um, and so he wasn't a nice guy and everybody was really terrified of him. But Daniel is able to continue, you know, to live yeah. basically and to have yeah. relationships and yeah. other things. Even after regime changes. Yeah. Interesting thing about this whole story is all this came down to these food laws, these regulations and the law. And, uh, and, Daniel was living under that Old Testament economy, that Old Testament law. Um, how interesting that Jesus, when he comes, 
He says, I didn't come to do away with all, I came to fulfill it. Uh, to fulfill it in what sense? Because the Apostle Paul interprets that as he does in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, that says, we are no longer under law, we're under grace. So in Colossians chapter 2, Paul said this, um, therefore, uh, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to festivals or new moons or Sabbath days, um, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So we see in the New Testament, it would have been an entirely different game if, that, if this happened in, under the New Testament economy or dispensation, which is why I love dispensationalism. It's right. a, the, the, the correct way of seeing the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Different things happen differently under different economies, the way God moved in different ways in different times. And uh, so how, how does that work? If Daniel was willing to give his life and draw the line here over food regulations, it would be a misapplication for us to bring that over to the New Testament time and say, well, we better abide. If, Dan if it was good enough for Daniel, we better abide by it mm -hmm. as well. But we don't because Paul said, we're no longer under law. Don't, act, don't let anybody act as a judge over you in things related to food or these types of mm -hmm. things. So how do we, as Christians, wrestle with that? And um, um, we, we will oftentimes maybe label people as legalists who might want to put us back under some type of Old Testament law. Or we may say, well, the moral law is still intact today, but the ceremonial and the cultic laws of Moses are no longer. Well, Paul never made such distinction. Which is the... The law is the law. Mm -hmm. uh, but right. he said it can all be summed up in this understanding of you love God and you love others. Mm -hmm. So that is the royal law that is brought over the New Testament. So there's this, the ultimate law is to love God and love others. And so we have, someone said, I, I haven't counted them, but there's something like over a thousand commands in the New Testament. You know, mm. be angry, don't be angry, be angry, or, or do this, or love this, or all these different commands, um, over a thousand of them. So there is law but they're all can be summarized as love God or love others. Mm -hmm. But the Old Testament regulations are oh, done. Like that. They're done. Mm -hmm. So do you think that, that this conversation, and I'm probably opening a can of worms that maybe for another time, so forgive me if I am, but um, is, do you think this is related to the idea of sanctification versus salvation and the way we look at those kinds of issues, Mark, this whole, like there's all these rules in the new Testament that we're called to follow or not follow kind of a thing. Like, is that how you would define it or do you have other thoughts on that? Okay. Explain a little further. So I just justification mean, I mean, I mean like the idea that, um, how do we package all the new Testament commands? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so okay. like the idea that if you, if, if you are doing this, then you can't possibly be saved because you're doing this yeah. outward work thing, this yeah. legalistic thing. See, I think in the Old Testament, the, 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 the people of the Old Testament, the Jewish people were God's chosen people by virtue of their birth. And, but, and, and they, it was God's covenant with them through Abraham. He chose those people, the, the lineage of Abraham. I mean, out of you, um, I will bless the world. You know, you have chosen people. You're a holy nation. Um, 
That was by virtue of their birth. Um, to enjoy the privileges of that, like in the land, the connection mm -hmm. with the land yes. and the privileges required obedience. And of course, the people kept obeying, disobeying, and so he, they were ripped from the land all the time. New Testament people of God, we are, uh, we are um, children of God. We are the people of God also by virtue of our birth, new birth. Born again. Born again, the regeneration process. But to enjoy the blessings of that, it, there's a connection with obedience. Now, the thing with the New Testament that they didn't have in the Old Testament, why did the Jewish people fail all the time and never could obey? Well, because they lacked the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so God said to the Jewish people in Jeremiah 31, one day I'm going to write my law in your hearts. Mm -hmm. I'm going to place a new spirit in you. I'm going to circumcise your heart. You know, And, uh, and in the New Testament, that's exactly what Jesus enacted. The, this mm -hmm. is the new covenant of, uh, of my blood, the blood of the new covenant. And so when we get born again, we are now part of that. And we have the presence of the Holy Spirit who now enables us to live a life uh, in light of the fact that the, that our savior, Jesus has already fulfilled the law so that everything of the law can be perfectly lived out because of the law, the fulfiller lives within us. Yeah. So we walk by faith and not by sight. So and it, it all just that becomes so difficult for believers, I think, sometimes to like see to to understand that when when you don't see those commands obeyed in someone else, right. that it is not directly related to their new birth. I think that that's becomes right. very challenging. It does. Um, and so that's like the negative way of looking at this legalism but, issue. You but, know what I mean? But doesn't it say by their fruit you will know them? Well, exactly. That's and that's the point that I'm, you know, trying to get to is so how do you as a believer in a sense right. recognize it's very hard. I think that's where sound Bible study and not yanking those verses out and throwing them on the wall to support any sort of right. We come in, we eisegete the text, here's my belief system, I'll use that verse, that verse, that I had a buddy in college that would black out passages of his Bible. It, it was common. What was his name? Thomas uh, Jefferson? Yeah, right. Uh, and so <laughs> it's it's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh shortly, yeah, yeah. Um but to to understand the context of the New Testament and the the church in Galatia is a great case study, a true one, mm -hmm. of, of a, a, a church of Jesus slipping back into law. Like mm -hmm. we have an example even in there of not just these heady intellectual truths, but also, oh, okay, Paul's going to bring the hammer down on these guys and say, I'm astonished you're so quickly yeah. turning to another gospel. Right. And I love the phrase, not that there is one. Yeah. Like it's just such a tongue-in-cheek kind of like frustration on what are you doing? Why are you jumping back into that? Same thing with the writer to the book of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. And they maybe had a legitimate concern. There was pressure, there was persecution. Sure. And to follow, to go back under Judaism just made perfectly good sense. It, it, get, it would get a lot of people off their back. Or even, even mm -hmm. you know, Peter, like everybody needs to be circumcised. You know, Peter yeah, Paul right. had it out because That's right. know, Peter's being impacted swayed by the that. that everybody needs to be circumcised. So, yeah. you know, there's... In both those situations, it's Paul goes after him, and the writer of Hebrews goes after these believers, saying, "You know, don't you know what you're doing? I mean, don't if you if if you fall from grace," he says in Galatians chapter five, "then Christ is of no benefit to you." What does that mean? That, that doesn't have nothing to do with right. eternal salvation, but it means that that Christ who is in you 
there'll be no benefit because you now marginalized him by your own efforts and your own work mentality. And uh, you won't be able to live out the reality of the fruitfulness of, of the Christ's life if you um, don't allow it, the Holy Spirit to live it through right. you. So, so this isn't our, like, I, I think what I'm, well, like what I'm driving at is the way we as Christians view other people and their behavior, not necessarily how we ourselves then act yeah. as we deal with legalism. Do you so we judge. What I mean? like, mm-hmm. And that's what Colossians, they don't allow anybody to act as a judge f- over you because there are Christians and we may do it to others that, oh, they, they can't be a Christian. Look how they're living. And so we, we can be judgmental when in reality, um, and what, they truly probably are born again and just need to be discipled mm-hmm. to live out the life obediently in the power of the Holy Spirit. God still wants us to live an obedient life. And he's given us every resource to make that possible. Um, but the contrast, again, between the New Testament and the Old Testament, we're studying Daniel, so we're in the Old Testament, and in that era, under that mosaic system, and in that economy, and that dispensation, um, Daniel was spot on. I'm drawing the line here, because somehow that law had been implanted into him, and he knew that that was a reflection to honor God if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And Daniel loved God, and he was going to follow that. And he told Nebuchadnezzar, this is where I cross the line. And um, But he was willing to bargain or to, let's, let's try this for 10 days. Mm-hmm. Now, I often wondered, too, as a 15-year-old kid doing that, where did he come up with that? Was that <laughs> kind of like a vision? Or did sure. God, how did, how did mm-hmm. he set that? We don't know. And was, I mean, was he taking a big risk or did God kind of give him a wink and a nod one night and says, do it for 10 days. I got your back. We, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I find it pretty interesting that he, he, he put that out and, uh, you know, why not two weeks or, you know, let's do this for, okay, three years of this thing. Give me 15 months, mm-hmm. but 10 days. It just, He's it, taking it, a big risk. A, a big risk, and I think it all <laughs> speaks to the bigger picture, right? Are, are we really unpacking Daniel's story, or are we actually reading Daniel's chapter in God's story? And how is all of this coming together in such a way yeah. that we, we learn a lot about our God because of this account of, of his story and the story of other people in yeah. his life, which is why this book is unique. Which, and number three, your point, entrust your soul yeah. to a sovereign God who graciously provides. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and are we bold enough to do that? And I yes. think Daniel knew his God. Uh, and there was such a confidence that exuded that he could say those things. Give me 10 days. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those guys, throw us in the fiery furnace and we'll live. And if we don't, well, you know, our, our God will provide. We know he's gracious, but we also know he's He's sovereign. And He's. And if if we were locked in on that, what would be different about our life this week? If that was, mm-hmm. if we had such a strong uh, view of that. And I, you know, I know there are Christians around the world. We hear about it in Nigeria and different places in West Africa and, and uh, in uh, the Middle Eastern world where Christians are up against these very same things and and, and they are losing their lives um, uh, to, to, to live a life that is uncompromising. And uh, it may come here to the States someday, um, but um, 
that's maybe why we need to be studying the book of Daniel. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mark, thank you, man. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Rose, you're awesome. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you being here. Uh, for all our listeners and viewers, remember that we love to hear from you. You can send over your thoughts, questions, or requests. Head over to fbcva.org slash podcasts, and you can write us a note there. Be sure to check out our other uh, podcast channels on our YouTube page uh, as well. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Till next week, much love. God bless.